Hey guys, welcome to Politics But Make It Fashion. Come interview with me. I'm your host, Amber Viola. And this week I have an exciting new guest on my show, Jacob Kelly. I am so excited for you guys to get to know them and talk to them and everything. So Jacob, thank you so much for being here with me. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Uh, for those who don't know me, I am Jacob Kelly. My pronouns are they, them. Um, and I am a queer inclusive sex educator that runs my own business called Mixed Kelly Queer Education that specializes in LGBTQA plus inclusion, queer education, and DEI best practices and consulting. Oh my God, I love that. I actually just did a DEI training um, like my last year in my master's program at school. And I had the pleasure of doing DEI trans training with an with actual trans people. And that was the first time I had ever done anything like that. And I, and I, like, I know it's important, obviously, like, to having somebody who's teaching Black history who kind of knows about it, and maybe as a part of the culture. But it was so impactful having a trans person teach about, like, trans diversity and inclusion and also, like, uh, discrimination and different things. It was, I, it was good. I was in tears, actually, like, half the time. <laughs> But one of the things I really, really wanted to talk to you about was your school that you have and kind of like the training that you go out and you do as far as queerness goes. So can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. So when it comes to the trainings that I do, I do a vast, uh, diverse forms of it. So I kind of have two categories I tell people when I do trainings. Uh, one training is more heavily involved in like what queer education is, and that's around uh, pronoun usage is a lot of the times in teaching very uh, basic then to high levels of the, the understanding of like gender, sex, sexuality, mm -hmm. gender expression, and how that connects to our well-being and how we then develop our relationships around that and our values around that, and then how we take those and, um, you know, apply them to wherever we may go or whatever we do so that's kind of the first other part of it the second yeah part, then definitely that high higher level or that level you even just spoke about about like the diversity and inclusion within certain spaces and like specifically the workspace mm. um and in the workspace like you know those then connect to like do you have best practice policies and uh, benefits and then like you know how to actually address uh, microaggressions and uh, implicit biases in the workplace. Um, and then we can like we can just go on from there. Like the, those are the two assets of the trainings that I, I typically do. Um, so do people I, call you and have you come in to, so like say for me, I get Black History Month, all the phone calls. Hey, can you come in? Can you do a training? Can you come talk to people? Is that the same for you? Like, do you have a high time during like Pride where people are calling you to come in and, and give trainings? Yeah, so a lot of times Pride uh, in October, so that's also LGBTQA History Month, um, are my two biggest, um, like, highest moments. Um, yeah. But I always have to tell people, I'm like, well, it's all year round. We don't just go <laughs> away. So, like, can we, like, start maybe spreading that out a little bit more? Or um, this year, we've I've had a, an odd increase just because of the political climate that's happening mm -hmm. in laws and stuff. So people are like, oh, we want to learn more all of a sudden because of what's happening in media, which I'm not going to knock that because it's business. But at the same time, it shouldn't have to come down to something happening for people 
to like learn and engage. Right. Yeah. Do you feel like because of the political landscape that you're it's more positive for you being received as like um a, a teacher, an educator, or do you feel like it was it's been more negative? Uh this year alone it's been more negative. Um I've have I haven't had this all experience this year I got called a groomer. <laughs> this is this is the first year that um uh you know where I said the groomer I, thing gets me it's one of the things that I just can't I, I don't understand where it's coming from. I just don't get it. And I'm like, do you know like the definition of what what that means, guys? Because that's not that's not it. Yeah. So um this year I, I've had a lot of positive motion with people wanting to support and do better and those kind of things. Mm -hmm. I think it's great. Um and teaching compassion is a huge thing within this training but yeah I, I would say though the the general feedback especially when I'm trying to get new businesses and trying to reach out and go hi this is why you can have me um you know here let's have a conversation and the other forms of things I'm getting stopped with I don't think we're there yet and when I hear that answer I'm like well that sounds like you need to be there then yeah 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 how did you so do you kind of cold call around during like to to look for new business from schools and um businesses and stuff like that yeah so i do a lot of um more like uh, email blasts so mm -hmm. i will go find um because i won't work with all businesses i'll be right up front um if i think a business doesn't align with our mission vision and values then it's an automatic like i'm good like yeah. i don't need to like as much of a paycheck sounds good i don't need that headache of like i feeling like i'm giving up my own integrity right um so but yes i will email cold email and then i'll go to a lot of networking events so like last night we had the nepa gala uh and what oh i wanted to ask you about it that was <laughs> coming up i wanted to find out how it was i was so jealous i was scared. yeah <laughs> so an event like that i'm networking as much as i'm having fun i'm also like oh you're an important person i'm also an important person. let's talk so yeah yeah I <laughs> So that's also how I'll do uh, get some more traction in my business and podcasts like this are really absolutely, great. So, absolutely. I get asked a lot of questions about just the queer community and grooming and indoctrination and things like that, and it's just you know for me it's it's hard because it it makes me sad because people really believe these crazy things. You know, and I and I see some of the so much of the misunderstanding and hatred comes from just like fear and from just not knowing. And it's like these people are watching these conservative, crazy news people or whoever, and it's trickling down to them. And they really think that like some random queer person is going to come into their school and like take their kids in a bathroom. And I'm just like, no, and statistically, your kid is probably being taken into the bathroom by, like, a parent or their teacher or their soccer coach. You know, we're, like, missing the whole point, kind of, of what are the things that are actually really affecting kids and stuff. But, like, the amount of hate and pushback that you get from just mentioning that is insane. And I just, you know, have you had any, like, death threats or, like, anything crazy coming your way? Um, so not this year, I don't think I had anything super direct, but within the work I've done for the la uh, last few years, yes, I've had people threaten me. Um, I've had people try to bully me and intimidate me. Um, I've had people, uh, make it very apparent that 
um, they assume what bathroom I should use since I'm a non-binary and I dress femme sometimes. And they're like, make sure you use the men's room. It's like, I've had people directly say that and I'm like, hold up. What is like, where is this coming from? Like, I, I didn't even ask for where the bathroom was, let alone bring it up. So there are right. certain situations that people already put an agenda out for um, us. And it's like, we just showed up here to exist. Like we didn't even get to all the things that I might need. Right, right. And I've seen a lot of, and this is kind of one of the things I was worried in a political sense with the, all the laws popping up, because a lot of them are very vague. And I think they're vague on purpose. They're vague so that they can kind of put whatever spin on it and, you know, whatever thing they want in there. But there has been a lot of Black women who now have been targeted by these like bathroom laws and things that you brought up because they present more masculine even if they're not lgbtqa plus like even if they're not trans if they're just a woman existing in like a masculine more masculine body or a tomboy body or chooses to wear clothes that you know are more along the lines of like indistinctive between which gender side you want to be on mm -hmm. and and i was really worried about that because i know how black women can really be perceived is there any other kind of like little nuanced things that you have seen that are the issue that you feel like maybe like we're missing with the bathroom laws or with diff different things like that? When it comes to, when we use vague terminology, like forms of expression, specifically gender expression, I don't think, from what I've seen, I don't think people actually fully grasp what the idea of expression is because we just mm -hmm. say, oh, it's gender. Um, but what they don't know is that socially constructed so your culture is going to go in there your age is going to go in there your class is going to go in there and you don't uh, your sexuality will go in there and you don't actually take the time to if we're using these more vague terms or things that are not clearly defined we will fall into these issues where um we don't have uh, uh, a direct way to say is this allowed or is this not allowed because it's literally written as a vague statement yeah um, Beyond that, uh, I know, you know, putting sexual orientation is still a hesitation in some of these laws. Um, and then they don't, people don't even understand what sexual orientation is or gathered because then it's going off of the, the, the understanding of who we're attracted to or who we're seen with. And I'm just like, well, which one is it? Right. Because so, there can be two different things. Right. Right. So, and then there's family dynamics that come into mind when I think of this, because I was like, polyamorous relationships exist, you know, and then like some of these laws, I kind of want to ask more in-depth questions of mm -hmm. when start saying, you know, we're thinking of families, well, whose families are we thinking of and what dynamics of that family are we thinking of? And so we can, we can go further into that, but like, there's so much around the vagueness um, in some areas that I just, um, I don't really appreciate because it's not defined in the same way as who's writing it. Whoever's writing it has a definition and then is They not have a definition in their head. They know mm -hmm. what they want to say. They know mm -hmm. who they're targeting and they're doing it on purpose. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. I can't, exactly. I feel the same <laughs> way. And it's so dangerous because these things can just trickle down into hate for everybody. I believe that hate begets hate. Like once you kind of have your hatred in your heart for a certain group of people, whoever they are, ethnicity, um, sexuality, whatever, like it's so easy to then latch that hate onto other groups. And it just turns you into just kind of like an, a hateful person. And with these laws and stuff, 
you know, we've seen it before against um, Black Americans in the U.S., but there was queer laws at the same time as that, you know, and those kind of went under the radar, but they were able to be enforced because things were, you know, just up in the air. And it was just like, okay, well, this is just going to apply to everybody today, you know? Um, and I think for the laws now, I'm worried about the reverse of it being focused on attacking queer people and then underlined is going to hit minorities and things because it is vague and it's going to be who are we attacking today well this law will fit kind of against this person and that person 100 percent agree like 100 percent agree with all of that and i and it's it's one of those things i'm like history is going to and is going to is going to and it seems like it's currently going to repeat itself yeah it is exactly and and we don't teach history well and that's that's part of the things that's going on with places like Florida and Texas is because we just don't teach history well. So people don't know that we're going to repeat it. I mean, even when you look at things like the Holocaust, you know, people, there's people that still don't believe that a lot of Jews died, which is insane. But for the most part, people know that Jews died. But I think what they don't know is that there was a lot of gay people who were killed and a lot of gay people who were imprisoned in concentration camps, and then when they got freed by the U.S. and the Allies or whatever, like, when they went back to their own little country, they went back to jail. Yeah. Because they were getting, like, it's just, there's so much stuff that people don't really know. Yeah. And also with the Holocaust and those type of things, they also don't know the details of, like, the first ones being targeted were minorities, yep. people of color. Um, and then queer people, and then like, and I've been to the Holocaust Museum to more educate myself, which is really the, the yeah. one in DC, the one here in the states one, in DC. The DC, yes, yeah. Ooh. And when I went there, I was so happy I went there because I learned a little bit more in different ways of how things happened that is mm. not taught at all. And um, I don't think people actually know. Like they had pictures of like, here's who you know you should not like, and here are people who like they have to fit the specific mold. Yeah. Um, and if they do, like they're higher ranking, and um, even that alone is to me what's happening now in the sense of when we rank people of like who's when we get on these conversations of who's a predator or not predator. That's what it's coming down to. Mm -hmm. like, because then, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the museum. I think that everyone everyone should go see it and go experience it and and take a day you know and and spend a lot of time there for me it was the it was little things that really just stuck out like the shoes I love shoes and so just seeing all the shoes like it killed me mm -hmm. inside because that was just something that was so like important to me and then seeing that there I was like you know and people just lost everything and that's and so here you know we'll bring it back to Pennsylvania I've seen people who have come out as trans lose everything mm -hmm. you know down to their shoes because they now lost their job and then they lost their car and then they lost their house and then now they don't have anywhere to sleep now they lost all their stuff because they're living on the street so their stuff is just you know gone they can't keep it with them and different things and it's like it's just so sad and um you know, and when you kind of feel like you know what's going to happen, I think that makes it even worse. Yeah. And the the worst part about that is it's preventable. Yes. 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 <laughs> if there's a, there are preventions to have that. And yeah. um, I I sit on the board for the Trans Equity Project, and we our mission is to empower trans individuals uh, for the state of Pennsylvania. And so many people we talk to are helping 
part. Um, one of the biggest things that everyone outside of the you know community asks, like, what do trans people need? And I'm like, food, shelter, yeah. support, love. Like, it's very basic. And we have the resources to do it. It's the access to those resources. I actually used to work in a nonprofit where you know I did have to help um, people within the community through uh, you know case management services and. When I worked there, um, I would get, I would be the one that people would call, like, hi, there's a person who's trans that needs support. How do we handle this case? And I'm like, what do you mean? How did you handle the other ones? Like, I can help right. you through the understanding of, like, maybe um, finding out which name they would prefer to go by if it's not documented under their legal documents. Mm -hmm. work on that. But my first question is, why are you specifically asking how to take care of another person <laughs> when you've been taking care of other people? <laughs> So, uh, like, what are you planning on doing? Like, yeah. what is, like, what's the difference? They're human, right? So, like, okay, first things first. Are they hungry? Right, <laughs> right. Like, do they need food? Do you, like, do they have home? What's their steady income? And then we'll work on all those other things that come up. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, how, um, you seem so confident in yourself as such a young person. Um, and how did you navigate that? Like when you decided to come out and then when you, I don't know if you came out as non-binary or was that then another transition to, to come into that? Like, how did that happen for you? I think you're the first person on a podcast to ask me this. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. Um, so I... Sexuality when I was uh, younger, I would say I I knew I was different when I was fourteen. I didn't really fully come out with my sexuality till I was about eighteen or nineteen, and then it wasn't until I was around twenty two, twenty three when I came out as non binary because I started to go to school and I got my master's in human sexuality education and learned a lot more to be like, oh, like that's why these pieces don't make sense to me and these ones do. So I eventually came out. My journey to gain that confidence was exactly a journey. I'm still on that journey. I've actually only presented in the ways that I wanted to as an LGBT within the last two years. Yeah. And um, it's because I've changed my environment and I kind of, it was one of those, I would rather be happy and unsafe than survive. And I had the, I had to- Oh, wow. That is- yeah. That I want can you expound more on that a little bit? Because I think that from the outside in, I don't think people understand why you're willing to risk it. Why are you willing to risk your life just to wear a dress <laughs> instead of just saying, Hey, let me do what's safer for me and just throw some pants on and call it a day? Like in what is that thought process? And I know you can't speak for the whole community, but I think that your opinion on it is better than other yeah. outside people who aren't going through that. Um, so I would say that my my answer to that is it's not just a dress, right? It's something that empowers me. Um, it's one of the, so one of the things I tell people is I'm beautiful without anything on, but what's going to enhance my beauty? What's going to make me feel like I'm coming alive in elegance? Mm -hmm. Um, when so many times you're taking um, 
yourself and you're putting it down, right? And you're putting it into yourself in a box and saying, I have to be like this because I have to form to all these other things in the world, which is like, I have to look a certain way when I go to work, when I'm with my family, when I'm going out grocery shopping. Um, and it puts so much stress to be like, why can't I just wear what I want to wear? And it's still be okay to be in these spaces. I spent more energy trying to not wear what I wanted to wear than uh, what I wanted to wear. So for me, the safety part comes into because I know I will, I could be attacked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been chased down by cars in the town I live in. Like, oh my God. And, yeah. And so I'm like, I sit here and go, you know what? Why is this worth it? Because at the end of the day, I'm smiling. I'm happy. I can look at myself in the mirror and say, this is who you are and this is who you were born to be. And ain't nobody telling me that I have to hide myself anymore. And it's right. the power of like inner resilience and uh, euphoria. Like there's this huge uh, feeling of just completeness that I can't really explain. You just, yeah. It. So, cause when people are like you look confident, I'm just happy. Like, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and, and clothes are so important. And like, looking at you and your your profile and everything and I was just like yeah like clothes are important to them too it's it 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 can make or break your day sometimes Mm -hmm. you know and when you're feeling sick and you want to be extra pretty and you want to have it together and I think that fashion is such an important thing in our lives and when you tell somebody that they can't wear certain things when they're especially when there's not a good reason to you know Mm -hmm that can really weigh on you because it's the way that you really want to express yourself and show yourself to the world. And you should be able to do that mm-hmm. without fear of like somebody chasing you down the street, you know? And did you find it to be, so I felt more dangerous when I was in the military serving under president Trump because of the amount of racism that started coming out and the amount of racism escalated. So there was a point when after he was elected that I started to feel like mm, stuff is getting a little more iffy places. Do you feel like it was when you first started kind of coming out when you were um, a late teenager, early 20s, or do you feel like it, it is more now? I think, so when I think of the understanding of coming out, I don't like the narrative that we placed on coming out, which is where I have to tell everyone it's the experience of inviting in and I've done more inviting in now. I've invited more people into my life to see this is how I am. This is how I think. This is how I feel. And so for me to answer your question, it's more lately because I've learned how to be more vulnerable and say, come on in. If you really want to be in my life, I'm going to show you who I am in my life. If you don't want to be in my life, like you can stay at that door and you can look through the window. So like to me, that's how I view uh, when I'm coming right. out, um, or I love I'm- the inviting people people in. I hate the whole coming out thing. I think it's stupid. Um, I, I like I don't like having conversations with people that I know is not going to go anywhere. Like mm-hmm. I know it's not going to be positive. I know that my feelings are probably going to be hurt after that. And I think sometimes you don't need to invite everybody in. And right. I think that everybody shouldn't be privy to like everything about you all the time. And that, and that can even be your sexuality. You know, mm-hmm. um, I was outed by the Washington Post <laughs> and it wasn't necessarily cause, and like that I was outed because I was living my life. Right. Like the people that knew me knew that I was queer, knew that I was pansexual and didn't really care what anybody's opinion was. But there were people in my life who didn't know. 
And it was because I knew that now this conversation we're about to have, now you might not even be in my life. And, you know, um, but I love that inviting people in. Like, yeah, I, there's certain things you I do want to invite people in. And there's other people I'm like, eh, we can stay out here. Right. And everybody doesn't need to be privy to kind of every single thing that, that goes on in, in your life and in your heart, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it shouldn't be this big thing. Like, it should literally just be you coming home with somebody. Hey, yeah. this is this is so and so now. <laughs> yeah, I I definitely agree. I think where the you know the differences come in is when I I literally look at people I'm like so what expectation did they ruin of yours? Mm-hmm. Because they people want to center other people uh, around their self. And like you're centering someone else's experience around yours, and then you're upset about them because they ruined your expectation. The only thing I'm hearing is that you don't actually know who this person is and you didn't center them in their center. Like you're not listening, you don't have empathy and you're not showing compassion. So I'm very confused on when these, I agree. Like I agree with like- And then you should ask somebody a similar question. Like, why are you (laughs) mad that I'm gay? Yeah, yeah. Like, Like, why? (laughs) To to what degree does this impact your entire life? (laughs) Why does this affect you? I didn't know I had so much power, but thank you for giving it to me, even though we won't ever yeah, have it. Right. Like, Susan, <laughs> I'm not over here judging you on getting up at four in the morning and making your husband's little lunchbox, okay? <laughs> like, whatever you want to do, do it. Hey. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So when, how um, how was it with clothing and stuff when you were a teenager and and kind of trying to like express yourself but also trying to like maybe not all the way express yourself how did you kind of navigate that for the kids out there who are trying to like figure that out I grew up in a very um close-minded household were Uh, you here in PA yes I I live in I lived in Berwick I live in Nesquik now but I lived in Berwick uh, my whole life um, I was not born in PA. I was actually born in Hawaii. Um, but uh, were you a military kid? I was. Yes, my dad was in the my dad was in the Navy for twenty four years. Um, great. Oh, Navy. nice. I'm a Navy vet. Um, my mom was in the Army for twenty two. So I was born in Las Vegas. So. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, when it came to clothes, uh, so my parents. Uh, mostly my mother like she picked everything we were supposed to wear in the sense not like what I wore every day but like you know when your parents have money they're like you can buy this but you can't buy this um and so I kind of um how I would express myself I used to wear my one sweater that zipped up like off the shoulder and it drew people nuts and I, I was oh. like I, I feel good like I was like I got it off the it. one shoulder the like, yes but, but and so um it was just like that was one of the things I learned I was like I feel good when it's like this and um other people didn't not my problem and I remember uh there were so many things I wanted to do or have I remember my first dress that I bought um and I remember putting it on and I, I like I, I I didn't uh I think I was 18 and my you know nobody in the house knew I had it like I bought it because you know I had the money to get it myself yeah uh, I never wore it out in public for a long time but I remember I had it and it was so it was a great feeling it was flowy yeah was, and I'm just like growing up for anyone that's happening now like if you can have a conversation with your parents, have that courageous conversation. It's not It's not going to be easy. It could be, but it's going to be very difficult because you're going to get those questions. You're like, why do I have to answer this question? Such as like, why do you want this? Because I want. 
me yeah. like I think I think when we come to clothing or something certain things that children want I don't think we always have to question like maybe it's because it's their favorite color or their right yeah flattering. how about the conversations more like oh okay you want you know you might be a boy that wants a dress and you're just like great what size like do you want to try yeah. a few on like you know, have normal. Like, are we talking princess? Like, right. you want to dress up? Like, right. Not, like, what are we? Like, where <laughs> right. are we going with this? Right. <laughs> not, not a. I'm sorry. You want to dress? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think for for these conversations, um, the the kids or the youth I'm learning have are are learning to have a voice a little bit more towards mm-hmm. their family, but I do tell kids. That for them, safety comes first. Yeah. Um, because the homeless youth population for the LGBT community is it's so high. It's, it's even so higher high. for trans youth. It's just, it's one of those, I'm like, think of safety first. Yeah, so when we talk, when y'all over there yelling about the kids, what about the homeless kids? Yeah, just put it out there. And so, <laughs> uh, you know, I think the power that we have to help our youth is in having uncomfortable conversations that can create positive outcomes because yeah. question of what makes that uncomfortable for the kid it's going to be because they're vulnerable for the parent mm-hmm. it's because of what <laughs> yeah yeah and and, it, and it's normally more about you than it is about them so like people right. got to figure it out you know right and I, I love that um, finding the little pieces. Uh, you Your story reminded me, I had a good friend. His name is Hendrick. Hey, boo. Um, we went to a small private Christian school together. And he, and I just remembered so much. He didn't come out till later. And I remember like thinking about him randomly because the way he wore his jacket, he wore it off his shoulders. And it drove them nuts. Like <laughs> it drove them batty and I just thought it was hilarious to me it just seemed uncomfortable because like it your jacket's about to fall off but it was cute and I was feeling it and I was like but why I wouldn't wear my jacket like that but why is it bothering you like why are you I mean angry about it I'm pretty sure at one point he wasn't allowed to do it or whatever but it's you know and I think those little things like when you realize that you're not allowed to just express yourself in those little tiny simple ways that other people can do and it and it just becomes so hard um and then what do you I have a question and it's, I don't know how to ask this because I've never asked anybody this but I was reading an article and it was talking about how a lot of times queer LGBTQA plus people when they come out they'll kind of, their fashion will be the fashion of when they were younger when they weren't able to dress like they want to dress because the question was about coming out in the workplace and not and and dressing immature and not professionally but not necessarily dressing whatever gender however you want to express yourself um what do you think about that so i actually can see that and agree with it because there are dresses i have that i have gotten rid of now because they nobody tell me they could have been better so how dare those people let me walk around in them but it was um, one of those, uh, when people come out, they they only go to the thing that they knew most and that's the thing they were inspired by. So it's typically their child, their, their, their inner child self, because okay. that inner child self to me is that one person who 
um, is the one that was being shut down. And then they carry that with them. That's why um, when people come out later in life, they use, they transform their entire life so drastically at a fast period because they built up this wall their entire life because of, um, since they were a child, since they realized they couldn't um, express or come out in the way they wanted to. Now, I will say um, they, uh, the, that, that's also going to be the only thing that they know, right? So they might not know how to dress in different ways because they were never taught. So mm-hmm. they're going back to the basics when, you know, they were taught how to dress, right? You need this type of, you know, um, top. It has to go with your shoulders, your body. But then, like, their body's changed because if they're thinking of themselves as a younger self and they're older, like, the silhouette is going mm. to be be different. Yeah. So someone's going, I, I've had to tell people like, um, you are six foot five, girl. You are stunning. But let me explain to you what this is going to do for your body. And she's over here like, but I look cute. And I was like, I think mm-hmm. you look cute. You could be cuter. Right. Yeah. I think you look <laughs> cute if you were 16. But girl, <laughs> let's, let's put something on. So, uh, you know, she we we picked something else out for her and she was like oh you were right i'm like mm-hmm. like i got her in the mindset of be who you are today know who you are in the present and the person your younger self will thank you and it's a process right because you don't know what's going to look good on you or and i always tell people if you have a good friend or duty out there like grab them and say let's go on a shopping spree and try them on like bring that right. confidence well how are trying on clothes like how is your how is the shopping experience well first of all um i don't have too many people like going shopping with me not because i'm bad at shopping they're bad at shopping uh (laughs) i think we would have a great time and we would be there probably forever (laughs) but uh for me i need someone that's going to boost my confidence like my best friend has gone shopping with me and I asked her when I first was coming out, it was all about color. It didn't matter what I was wearing a tank top. I was like, do I want like the pink color or this like pale blue color? And she was like, which one do you want most that you wouldn't say in front of other people? And I was like, the pink one. She's like, we're going with the pink one then because she knew that would have done more for me. And she was right. that confidence to help boost, like, we're doing it. Like, I will be there with you. It's not going to be scary as you think. And that has grown to then. Uh, I go with people, and when I'm in the women's section, um, I'm sitting there like, ma'am, I'm buying these pants just like you are. Like, I don't know why you're staring at me or looking at me. Or, like, um, if I'm in the jewelry section or the shoe section, because I will buy heels. I have a lot of them. Um, And people are just seeing me try them on, and I'm looking up. I'm like, are you paying for this for me? No? Okay. Like, you can keep going. Because it's just... It can be very harsh in this area, um, and it's it's actually the number one thing that scares me the most because, and what scares me is just I have to realize, like, I don't know if this person will then follow me to my party. Follow you, yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't know what the after moment's going to be because I've, I've been followed in stores before by people who think I shouldn't be shopping in this section. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, like, what is the fucking audacity, okay, <laughs> that you have to have in your life and, like, in yourself to follow somebody around because you don't like what they're doing? First, like, you have a lot of time on your hand, number one. Because there's no way that I'm going in a store seeing somebody who I think is, like, un- not okay or, like, whatever, that I'm going to follow them around. Don't I have other things to do or, like, uh, anything yeah. else? 
that it's just so weird to me but you have to like keep that in mind because people are really crazy and it's dangerous out there and like Mm -hmm. There is such this safety issue with just people trying to just live their life and be themselves. Like we're all here just trying to buy shoes. If I'm whether I'm trying them on or not, if you see me in a suit section, mind your business. <laughs> like right. because you could be buying shoes for yourself, or who knows, you could be out there buying shoes for me. Right. Like they don't, you know what I mean? You don't know what anybody is doing. Like right. Yeah, it's 100% that feeling. Um, I've also learned to just say something now. I'll call out, I'm like, can I help you? Are you, did you, did you want me to help you find something? Because you called oh, the right person. Like, of course I will. And then like, no. And then, or they just get quiet and walk away or they turn heads. It's like, oh, okay. Or, oh, you didn't need my help, girl? <laughs> we can work on this. We can work on that. You like- right, right. Like, I know I'm looking good. Right. <laughs> I, I love that. And I, I think asking, calling people out sometimes, and you do have to worry about your safety, but there's nothing better than when somebody says something stupid racist to me, especially in this area, and I just ask a little question or like say a little something, and oh, oh, okay, well, I'm sorry, but what did, what did you mean by that, you people? Like who? Like Pennsylvanians? Like, like what, <laughs> what people... <laughs> You know, and then they just get all huffy and stuff like that and everything. But um, yeah, it can it can definitely be very scary and safe. And I am glad that I see now more younger kids expressing themselves um, through their clothing, through makeup. Like, you know, I love people talk about YouTube and, you know, maybe it destroyed makeup for people or whatever. But I love the accessibility that it gave a lot of people who didn't have anybody to teach them and they could sit in your room and do makeup and get it ordered to you and, and be able to do all that and, you know, and just do things that you love and be able to express yourself. But people get mad about it, you know, and that's, it, it's hard. And I feel like we're going backwards and I, and with this election coming up, like, do you have any fears about the outcome of this election or like big concerns? Um, I think my number one concern in any election that always happens is, is two things. One has to do with who's actually going to get voted in, um, and what direction things are going to. I know one of the things, one of the things that I was advocating for was the Fairness Act, um, instated for the state of Pennsylvania to include, uh, gender identity and sexual orientation. So there's, there's protection there. Um, so I'm thinking of like whoever gets voting in is, has the ability to either put this in there or take it out, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so the, things like that always like stress me. But honestly, when it comes to actual voting season, is now what I call it because it's like a whole war zone in your personal life of who am I cutting out and who am I not? Oh um, yes, because that is my more bigger fear because like certain elections that have recently come up in the past few. I just sit there and go, oh, oh, like we're not friends oh, anymore. Like no. the family mm-hmm. member I'm probably not going to go see anytime soon. Uh, your person, like, you know, that I'm sitting here and want to be like. And it's heartbreaking. And, yeah. and I don't know if people think like liberals and we just love like cutting people off and, and, you know, whatever, but it, it's sad. And it, it I cried so much losing people. And maybe they didn't even know I lost them, but, you know, <laughs> seeing st- stuff and I'm like, 
damn, we're not going to be friends anymore. And that, and sometimes there was times where I would kind of not make that decision yeah. because I wanted to hold on to that. And I think that there is a place for that too. I think sometimes people need time to figure stuff out. And, you know, you might not be able to cut off the homophobic family member right away or the racist one right away. You're going to, and you know, you need to, but it, it's a process for you because it is kind of sad and you're going to miss that person. It's going to be like a little bit of a death. And then you have to think about your whole family or friendship dynamic. If this one person isn't in it, because now are you going to lose your whole group? Yeah. You know, and, and that's hard for people. Yeah. I definitely um, agree with the like the mourning of relationships. And I think the other thing I think about is, do I have the energy to not cut this person out, but like maybe have a conversation and teach them and use that mm. labor to have those? And some I've had to, and they've paid off. And others, I'm like, this is way too much energy for me to yeah. be there. And then yeah. I also go, why were we friends to begin with if I didn't right. know the root of who you are was based in like homophobia, transphobia, racism, and xenophobia. Like I kind of just sit here and go, I missed whatever you, however you hid this. Yeah, I missed that part of you. Right, like I <laughs> good acting on you. Give the golden globe to you. <laughs> yeah, because some people they are worth having that conversation. You have to think about it in your head. Like, do I need to just go sit down with this person? And say, look, this, this, and this is why this is bothering me. This is why I feel like this about this law or this whatever, you know, and it's hurting me as a person. You know, when people talk about them changing the adoption laws mm -hmm. and, you know, letting queer people adopt or, you know, queer people get married or queer people do anything, it's like that might not specifically affect you in your life. That's literally specifically affecting me and it hurts mm -hmm. me. So when you're supporting this person that supports that, you're telling me that you support that. And the amount of people I've had say like, well, I'm, you know, I'm not racist or whatever, and I don't agree with their social policies, but, I, but I'm voted for them anyway. Their social policies say they want me not to be here. Like, right. Like so. the erasure <laughs> is, is exists, existing in these people's policies. So, yeah. And I don't think, I don't think people understand the power dynamics within that because they've never been put in a situation where mm. you're there and you wake up and you're just like, am I going to, like, is my life going to drastically change because of the laws that were implemented? In my right. Right. Um, I also have learned, I'm one of those people, I'm getting tired of playing the game of, well, let's see if it does happen because we don't know. I'm... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I shouldn't have to put my life as a gamble for you to see if it exists or not. Right. Yeah. 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 Now, I because I told people I like when Trump got elected, I, I knew what was on the chopping block. And so many people are like, no, he's really not going to do that. Or that's really not going to happen. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm preparing my heart and my life for it. You can do whatever you want to do. But you know, these people are saying what they want to do, and it's just going to inch closer and closer. You know, if we get somebody like DeSantis in the, in the White House, all the craziness that he's doing in one place would yeah. now he'd be able to do that for the whole United States. And that is absolutely fucking terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Really, really is. Definitely agree. And, um, it's kind of heartbreaking 
not kind of, it is. It's part of it is. So yeah. that um, won't look at the cons, you know, just like the pros, like, oh, our economy is going up or like there's a tax reduction in something that's minor. Yeah. I actually can't get because it doesn't involve my class, but I think it does. Like, and then, <laughs> and then, you know, I'm just like, well, you know, like, there was how many bills for anti-trans laws that was this year? Almost 500, over 500? Yeah, there, yes, there was hundreds. And I'm just sitting here like, who do you think did that? The people you voted for? Yep. <laughs> yep. Like, I'm just putting it out there. Yeah. Like, it, and you thought they had a good policy, but then this policy is the one that they're actively working on. I'm like, well, where are the other ones they're working on? Right, right, I'd like right. To, I'd like to know what the positive was because I'm only seeing the effect of the negative. Yeah, what else were they supposed to be doing? Because <laughs> it seems like they're taking all their time and energy really to just focus on this one small group of people that that aren't bothering anybody. And yeah. it's just, uh, it is scary. And it, it, it is, can be like really panic inducing sometimes because you just think like, you know, what, Put like what could end up happening and I hate when people use the handmaid's tale as like a reference or whatever because it was like low-key kind of racist but um like could that be our future <laughs> you know like could we end up in this dystopian type of world because as we talked about before with the holocaust like I'm sure at first people didn't fast forward like two years and see like oh dang this is what Right. what we're in for now this is the destruction because when you try to destroy one group of people or a couple it destroys everybody yeah and uh the intersectionality of those pieces are never mm. talked about and actually in some of these things i remind people i'm like you know what a pink triangle stands for right yeah. no what is a pink triangle stand for right so pink tri triangle is what was giving to those who were classified as gay or homosexual within the holocaust so that's how they. I did not know that. That is how they were identified. So they had to wear. So them. they didn't have the star. They had a pink triangle. They, I I'm pretty sure they could have had both because they both? think the star was related to those who are Jewish. But um, it was the pink triangle that identified them, so people would know. And like, you know, the there's um uh, documentaries all about it of how like they got how they were treated and how it. It's a horrible thing in our community, but it's uh, like that was the thing when uh, certain people were elected that I was just like, I'll see if I will have a good pink triangle. Right. Hey, let me get a cute one. Right. They're like, like I, don't, <laughs> I don't get it. And I'm just like, and then here we are today. I'm like, well, we're not too far off. Like, we're not. <clears throat> we're not too far. Like, I literally just got like called that drag is a crime and I've been doing it for 10 years. Like, I might as well just make a pink wig and put it in the form of a triangle at least at least i'll right. wear it on my head like i'm <laughs> like, well and and you hear things that people say and they'll use words like eradicate or like oh we want to get rid of and it's like you're talking about me you want to get rid of all the queer people like who's gonna what ha what does that mean what's gonna happen who's gonna watch our kids and our family members and like the people that take care of their parents or like all the jobs that these people have you know you're talking about just you want to destroy the economy you know, you're going to remove this whole group of people and you're going to see what's going to happen. Yeah. And it's not going to be good. And but. the other thing I always tell people is they need to start learning their history within mm -hmm. all aspects of um, historically marginalized people. But for queer people, 
um, the conversation I've lately had now is everyone's like, why are these numbers going up? And I was like, do you all forget that the generation, the baby boomer generation all died for the HIV epidemic pretty much. And like their numbers have depleted. So that's why it's only recent years that we're finding older gay LGBT right. people that are out. I will say that they're out and um, reporting because uh, now like those numbers are going up. And the only reason why I bring that up now is because we don't focus as much as we focus on our young on the elders. Your mic is going in and out. So just make sure you talk close to your. Oh, so sorry. Thank you. Yeah, thank sorry. you. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you for saying it. Um, I, I'm always worried of like, am I? So yeah, I was just saying um, the to have to focus on like our older generation as much as we do on our younger generation mm. because we're stepping into a new era where we have we are UA elders who are like new to what that looks like and how we can provide proper care for them and they they're kind of the ones living a different generation in a more modern generation where today they're allowed to exist but they grew up knowing that they shouldn't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There are so many parallels as you're saying that to me to like the black community. Um, because I, I remember getting asked by so many people why we don't have any like black leaders, like mm -hmm. big black community leaders and things like that. And it took me a second to kind of like, yeah, you know, think about the question. I was like, cause they're all dead. That's why, you know, and it, and it's the same for, I've heard it as far as like, why isn't there any queer, leaders or people out there and it's like well they probably died of AIDS um so that's probably why they're not here now and let's like think about that but people aren't taught those things and like I don't know why I'm super paranoid about like all STDs and AIDS and stuff and I just was reading this um article coming out because our STD rates are going up and the reason they're going up is because of abstinence culture and because of this fear of talking about sex open and honestly and having conversation with our kids, you know, middle schoolers and high schoolers and teaching them how to protect themselves, how to protect against pregnancy, to get tested, to do all those things. And I think there was such a big, like, shun away from it after the AIDS epidemic. And I think there's a lot of people who think that if you tell a kid to practice safe sex, they're just going to go out and have sex. And, you know, that's not true. They're going to now have the tools that they need if they make that decision to do that. But, you know, there's just this, it's getting so dangerous out there. And there's now like syphilis strands and gonorrhea strands that are like super strands that now like antibiotics aren't fixing and things. And, and we're, so like sexually oppressed because we're so scared that people are going to be gay that now this is a side effect of that. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Half the reason why I started my business and on the journey that I'm at was in, is directly in this conversation at this moment because um, we're so worried about the idea that our sexuality um, should be taboo and not talked about or if it's not the specific way that um, the dominant culture believes is the natural reasoning, so that's mm -hmm. in, like the understanding of mating, then it shouldn't exist. But then we don't have conversations of like, so what about consent? Where does that come up? Because right. if we're if we're teaching abstinence only, that means we're not talking about consent. Yes. We're not talking about yeah. how to build healthy relationships, mm -hmm. how to domestic have violence, 
and in there. Um, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. So if, if, there's so many things that can go wrong with it. And I've worked in the field with HIV. Actually, uh, I've had to diagnose a few people uh, where I used to work in my life. And it was a, it wasn't a good event, but it was a blessing for me to learn how to gain empathy in someone else's mm-hmm. life. Because my goal when I had to do it was like, um, provide comfort and to let them yeah. know, like, there's no shame in this you're going to be okay. We are, have grown. And, and so many people in this area I've learned still think it's like the 1990s. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I was like, no, no, no. Like we will go past this. And then there's like, that's then combating stigma mm-hmm. and combating against uh, demographic uh, populations because the information being put out around certain topics like HIV is the high people or the highest people to contract this or, you know, people of color or trans women. But then I sit there and go, we live in an area that's predominantly white, heterosexual and cisgender. The highest demographics to get HIV in our area are not these populations. Yeah, no, it's just white people. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just putting it out there that even the facts that are even told are not properly taught in education so when we teach abstinence only they're not getting this information in fact i had i have people who reach out to me um because i let people know in the state of pennsylvania they do not have to actually teach sex ed in yes oh my god yes and that's what i was trying to tell people because literally when this whole thing was starting up and i was like y'all do realize they don't teach such education here so y'all worried about something that's literally not happening yeah at all like it's yeah. not, it's not, it's that, it, maybe it's a thing somewhere else, but I was like, it's literally not happening here. So, oh God. So I, and I, I'm, as an advocator, I've had, I've reached out to a few schools yeah. to be like, hey, um, I can be a guest speaker or an educator for your classes, your health classes, even to do like two day training or mm-hmm. uh, educational session for the students at a very basic level where you can even approve my curriculum if you'd like to to at least so that they can get something that's right. not don't have sex, don't touch yeah. each other, don't look at each other. And then I'm like, OK, but and then the other thing, the other thing I want to bring up that I always think about when they talk about youth is so what do you do when they're on their cell phones and they're on those apps and they're messaging each other? Are you talking about that? Because technically it is abstinence because, you know, they're not doing anything. But what happens when someone sends a picture or a mm-hmm. text message that can be a little off-putting? Right. And you don't teach them that boundaries are important. <laughs> that and, and teach can't... them what real grooming is. Right. Like, that actually there's people out there on the internet who Mm -hmm. are you know my daughter is on minecraft and we like i talk to her all the time and i'm like hey you know that there's people that lie and they say they're kids and they're not actually kids she's like really and i was like yeah i know it's crazy why would somebody say they're seven or whatever but people do that and having these conversations about like when you talk about sex trafficking you mm-hmm. a lot of people can end up in that situation because they sent nudes or somebody took a video of them mm-hmm. or they did something with somebody and now those things are being used against them and now they're being basically held hostage whether it's mentally somewhere or even physically and it's like you need an outlet to be able to talk to kids about those things and the things that aren't safe and aren't consensual and you know if you sent somebody nudes and now they're trying to blackmail you we will figure that out. And that's not your fault that this person is trying to blackmail you. Right. You know, we, right. and there's so much stuff that they don't know. 
that's not happening under the guise of like we're just gonna tell them not to have sex and that's it and that's gonna be fine you right. know and also if certain schools do provide any form of education the parents have the right to opt out to opt out yeah yeah exactly yeah. Um, under the understanding of it being uh, controversial. And I only know that because I have read the <laughs> outline they send to the parents because parents will send it to me and it will say, um, due to controversial beliefs and opinions, parents have the right, right to opt out of, you know, X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. HIV being one of them. <laughs> Even with teaching people about HIV, because there is a really, like, straight Black women have a very high number, mm -hmm. um, but it's not due to really anything they're doing. It's due to relationships with Black men mm -hmm. who are not straight, who mm -hmm. are not being safe. Mm -hmm. And that is a whole other conversation that I think people don't really understand in the guise of, like, sexual health. Because if I'm sleeping with you now... And then you're sleeping with other people, then I'm sleeping with those people too. And yeah. then if I'm sleeping with other people, we're all sleeping with everybody together. And even though you think you may have just a monogamous relationship, you still need to prioritize your sexual health and think about your sexual health and, and know what that means. And know that, you know, even if you're in a relationship, it's not bad for you to still want to get tested. That's okay. You know, yep. that doesn't mean you don't trust that, like, whatever. It's about you and, and doing that and even trying to, I don't know how it is trying to date for you, <laughs> but Lord over here, okay, with some of these men's, like, you know, I'll say, talk about protection or getting tested. And they look at me like, I'm the problem. And like, I'm crazy. And I say, no, boo. But the reason that Amber has been all whole and healthy over here is because of this. And these questions need to be, conversations need to be happening. If you're starting to date somebody and maybe you do want to move to a more serious relationship and not use protection and things, the questions need to be had. We need to talk about some things, you know, and it, and it might be uncomfortable and that's okay. But when you're taking away everything for people to be able to have safe sex and now, you know, you can't give out condoms to places and there's no... Planned Parenthoods or, you know, STD clinics and different things. You're taking all of that stuff away from people. And now we're ending up with these clusters of like gonorrhea outbreaks and syphilis outbreaks or um, HIV outbreaks in certain places because of our fear of un being unwilling to have these conversations and talk. And it's hurt. This, this is hurting our kids. Yes. Uh, yes. To all of that, um, I teach people and I practice the, if I'm centering my sexual health or health advocate, like I'm advocating for my health. And that's, that's what it comes down to when we ask these questions of like, have you been tested? Have you recently been tested? How many frequently partners do you have within the last three months or six months or whatever the time frame is? And you, you're following up on these questions. Like that's all health advocacy for ourselves. Yeah. And people think like health advocacy, oh, that's with our doctor. No, it's not. It's related to yeah. um, anyone that could impact your health and STI is being one of them. So yeah. it's 100% there. And I agree with you. For for me, I've had more than enough people um, honestly reject me because I'm like, 
yeah, I'm not going to engage with you without like knowing that you have, like, I need to right. see the document. I'm not a right. word of mouth person. I'm oh, and like, people I will tell me like, oh, well, they told me, they told you what, girl, like what, what did they say <laughs> that they're a unicorn? Cause yeah, like I didn't if I, I, I was like, I'm not saying I don't have trust in people, but it's easier for strangers to lie to another stranger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that 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 needs to be part of the health discussion, especially with teenagers. Yeah. Definitely needs to be about it. And, you know, when you talk about STDs and STIs and stuff, like, people can be asymptomatic and just mm-hmm. running around spreading stuff. When I was um in the Navy, we had... um. A couple of different outbreaks. When I was an instructor at school, there was a little outbreak um, on the ship. <laughs> there was an outbreak, and it just because people were having unprotected sex with everybody. And I think in the military, a lot of people were assuming that, oh, well, these people are clean. Like we have health insurance. Like nobody. And it's like no, because you still have to actively go to the doctor. And like, you know, people aren't doing that. And some of these, and I, they're kids. They're 18, 19, 20 mm-hmm. years old, and Girl, some of the stuff that I have heard, um, yeah, I, dipping things in alcohol afterwards, or I mean, I would just be like, where do you guys find this stuff? Like, yeah, it's crazy, and it, you know, and it's well, and it made me sad because I'm like, you guys are out here, and you need to learn these things, and even if you make the choice not to do anything, you still have the power to then when you do want to do something, you know what to do. Yeah, and I also think how we market people getting mm. tested or going out to make sure their health is well managed mm-hmm. uh, is who we centering because the biggest center i see around uh hiv clinics or health clinics is around the lgbtqa plus community so i'm not knocking that but then i the majority of the people though are not LGBT yep. people that yeah. are coming in. So yeah. I've when I had to do testing, I've had more than enough people say, "Well, I'm not, I'm not gay. I'm not so gay I, I don't, I, so I don't, I don't uh, need, yeah. I don't need all of that." And I'm just sitting here like, "What?" Yeah, there <laughs> or, is still a very gay stigma to it. Yeah, definitely. And um, you're right. A lot of the clinics, anything I've seen that has been really a big push for testing has honestly almost all been LGBTQ. Like I, like organizations or groups and things really pushing that. So that's that's a very true statement. Yeah. Like I see a lot of, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy they're there. Uh, a lot of different um, clinics that are at Prides in those big events. Mm-hmm. But like, we just had our multiple, multicultural Pride Festival the pra- out yeah. in the parade. And I'm just like, did anyone call the STI clinics to come and support that culture. Right, yeah. Oh, that's Got very it. true. Yeah. Right, like, or, um, like, a youth, a youth type day or anything like that, do we have specific clinics there to let them know? Why or why not? Chances are probably not because they're afraid of having that conversation with the parent when the kid's like, what are these? Yeah. These are condoms. These are condoms we have out for free. Right, right, Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point to have those things to be available there. But here in Pennsylvania, I mean, in a lot of our schools and stuff, we don't even have nurses. So, you know, a, it's just we're taking so much away and then we're running into so many of these other problems that like the community 
has had to have to fix and sort out. But when once the community side of it now is being attacked and you're taking away these clinics and free clinics and Planned Parenthoods and I mean, even closing hospitals to where there's areas that don't even have hospitals and stuff and are medical deserts and then you're at a school and there's no nurse or anything and you're leaving people just a lot of nothing, you know. Yeah. Just a whole bunch of nothing. But I want to now uh, kind of turn the conversation a little bit into like, I want to focus on what you're doing now and the things that you're involved in and and kind of like, where can people find you? How can people reach out to you to like, get a hold of you to know what you're doing and stuff? The easiest way is you can go to my website at juicywithjake.com and has all my information, what I do, uh, the, the very vast um, services that I have, including both training, consulting, education, but also my drag services. And I strongly have that in my business for the simple fact of keynote speaking speakers, but also like drag should be at the equivalent as any other profession um, in any other type of art profession. So I definitely strive that in there. Um, I sit on multiple LGBTQA plus boards, including the NEPA Pride Project that just yes. today. Um, I sit on the Eastern Pennsylvania Trans Equity Project, which serves 21 counties to empower the trans community uh, within the state of Pennsylvania. And I what is that called again? The Eastern Pennsylvania Trans Equity Project. Okay, I've never heard of that. Yeah. Uh, so. We, we just expanded to 21 counties as of this year. I think we were at 16 or 18 last year and we were just, we've just been growing and we really want um, the trans community to know that there are people here to help them and uh, have services. And they do many different services too, like a name, they help people with name change policies and grants so they don't have to pay for it. Um, right. you know, and other types of support group services and uh, clothing services. Um, I'm also the co-president of the Association for Inclusion, Respect, and Equity, or AIR, uh, which is out for Snyder Union, Northumberland, Columbia, and Montour counties. Um, we are the ones, actually, I was the one that created the first Pride ever in Columbia County, and so we help that community out there um, in those counties. So those are my nonprofits that I sit on the boards for and do all of that volunteerism <laughs> in the community. Um, and then beyond that, I'm just working on project after project in those projects. Like I'm just, I just wrote a book um, this year and I'm an author officially. So that's exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and there's more to come. And I also just spoke uh, for, at my first organization that is international. So they were also in Europe and in the U.S. So that was exciting to experience Two oh, hopefully you can go over to Europe and do it too. Mm -hmm. That'd be fun. Yeah, I so we did it <laughs> virtual, but also I can't wait. My twin lives in Spain. They got deployed to Spain. They're in the Navy. And uh, hey, boo. Yeah. <laughs> I was um, stationed in Virginia. Okay. Down there, yeah, so yeah, we yeah. know like the same people and like it, it was just <laughs> such a random thing. Like coming across both of you guys because I was like oh I'm in Virginia and I was like oh wait there's one in PA <laughs> hey. yeah so I'm just uh working slaying you know and if anyone ever needs any type of I'm I guess this is like one of those I'm too humble for the answer to this question because I could brag about myself but I'm like nah look me up if you want me have a conversation um I I've also yeah I I'm I'm a multifaceted individual that has just, I'm not going to stop 
helping people learn comprehensive education, but then also learn the compassion it takes to help people. Right. So question um, a little bit more lighthearted. So where do you shop around here in this area or do you do most of your shopping online, especially stuff when you're looking for stuff for like drag? So for drag, I know a lot of different people online. So I'll see a lot of the designers and uh, creators that I love and I will reach out to them. Like, can you make this? Or if they have something they already made, I will probably buy it. Um, a lot of a lot of stuff I'll say is actually online. Um, I will say don't knock those thrift stores. I found a lot of good stuff in thrift stores in Pennsylvania. I have this beautiful 60s dress that I wear all the time that I absolutely love. Um, good patterns. So Thrift store shopping is one of the key assets, um, both for drag and not drag. If you're looking for something to put back in style, be the one that puts it back in style. Unless yeah. it shouldn't be back in style, like what? low rent. Like low rent, please don't be <laughs> that. Like those... I just, I just saw they're bringing back tramp stamps too. And I was like, that's a whole thing. I just can't. I, I'm okay with the tattoos. Like I do enjoy the lower back tattoos, but the combination with that, with the low rise and the thong thing, I can't go back. I'm, all I'm saying, <laughs> it's not a winky face or a lipstick. I don't know why we're doing it. Because if it's going to mean something, I want you know, I want someone to have that good, good moment that they get to look at. Because I get to look at it. It's on my back. Right, right. <laughs> I'm going to make it for them. <laughs> this is for you. Okay. This <laughs> is not for me. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I had such a great conversation with you and I, I feel like I honestly learned so much and I really, really wanted our listeners to be able to have a little bit more education and background kind of on the different um, LGBTQA plus issues that are going on, um, positive and some not so positive. But I think it's such a good perspective to get people who can talk openly and honestly about the things. And also when people can see your life and kind of understand the safety issues that you have to go to or or the, the need to want to express yourself by wearing a dress or different things and why those things are important. And it's important to have these conversations. And there's there's people out there who don't know anybody like us, you know, and they're getting all their information from the a very biased set of media. And so they don't really know any real queer people or gay people or trans people who are just out there just trying to like live their life. And we have to really shut down this whole grooming thing and indoctrination. And we need to be able to be willing to teach kids our things that make even us uncomfortable to sit down and talk about. So thank you so much. Um, and where can they find your book? Is it out? Yeah, so it's on Amazon. Um, it's called Tipping is a Must, 100 Tips to Run a Successful Drag Show. Um, and it's all about tips that relate to five different areas. So the point of view of drag and drag queens and drag kings and performers. Um, tips for audience members, because that is a huge thing that doesn't get <laughs> talked about enough. Um, backstage etiquette. And then like, uh, venue owners and people who want to run shows and then just general fans of drag people like those are typically like the tips that talk about what drag is and isn't and like not to gatekeep other people and their abilities and so oh, I love I love drag I love drag shows I love drag queens I love drag queens I love everything about it well, the nails know, like, the lipstick the hair <laughs> <laughs> the flipping 
whatever. I love the body inclusivity of it, Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. drag. That's something, one of the first things I saw when I went to one of my first drag shows. Um, I was like, oh my God, hey, like they, there's no shame in their game. And I mean that with like every ounce of respect, you know, because looking at somebody and I'm like, you know what, girl, you are up there big and beautiful and I needed to see that today. And there's other people that need to see that. And I just loved how like inclusive the drag community is with that aspect because I think it, it I think it's so beautiful and the gay community has sometimes some issues with uh body inclusivity with other you know they're definitely like the standard kind of like quaint gay you know image that a lot of people think of but yeah. I think when you see drag it really expands that to so much more yeah and it's really great you know I think everybody should definitely Always go see a drag show if you can. At least, at once in your life, see it, enjoy it, love it, tip, you know, have a good time. And if you're unsure if it's a good drag show, just come to mind because they're always, always good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So is there anything that you would like to leave the audience with today? Um, so the motto I have within my business of mixed tally for education is be the person you needed when you were younger. Mm, yeah. I love that. So thank you so much for joining us um, on Politics But Make It Fashion. Come interview with me. You can find us on TikTok at Politics But Make It Fashion. You can find us on Instagram at Politics But Make It Fashion 1. And we are on Facebook. Um, yes, we have a new Facebook page, guys, because of the, the, the big hack. Um, it is Politics But Make It Fashion. And we will chat soon. So thank you. Hold on, I'm going to turn my camera around. Thank you so much. <laughs> I will get this together today and I'll probably have it edited and it'll probably be up sometime this evening. And then I will send you the link for it. Perfect. Thank you so, so much. Yeah. And I hope that we can hang out and meet um, in person soon. I was trying to get to the gala, but my mom wanted to come. Like we both go to it and then she's my babysitter. So she was like, I was like, so are you going to be mad? Like, if I just go and you babysit? <laughs> it was it was definitely good. I thought this year was a lot better than last year. Yeah. Uh, this The theme. Was it? Because I wasn't actually sure about the theme. I loved I saw the it and I wasn't sure. And I was like, I wonder if this is like, if this is good or not. I, I yes uh, so I love 70s and people actually turned out better than last year last year I don't know if people were like I don't know what to do for space so they didn't do much but um, yeah this year people people really gave all aspects of the 70s and I was here for it. and the music I love music they actually played mostly 70s music so it actually this vibe. is the only gala in the area really honestly that I go to that dances because all these other I'm like Okay, we're there from like six to ten. So like at least nine, eight forty-five, nine, like we need to have dancing. Like what? And then it's like over. Yeah. And I, like I even at like one of the NAACP ones last year, because I think it's at the same place. Um, and I was like, so we just leave in? There's a great band, great music. Nobody's dancing. What is this? Like yeah. Ugh, it's tragic. <laughs> But thank you so much. Um, yeah, and we'll I'll talk to you soon, okay? Yes, yes. Please don't be a stranger. Absolutely not. Bye.